I, um, I just wanted to put this back up there just to remind us again. Um, who can tell me what this is? What's the whole idea behind the whiteboard? Say it again. The big picture. So expand on that for me. If you were asked to come and paint or draw, where would you start? What would you start with? Him. He would be on there. That's a great start, Petra. (laughs) Who else might be on there? Us. And what would we look like? Him. Very good. And what would we be wearing? White linen. Because we would be what? Made whole. We would also be made ready. (laughs) Because who's married? Who got ready for your marriage? How many of you spruced up? You spend a lot of money, yes, on one day. But how's your marriage? Silence. My goodness. Maybe our marriage is a picture of our marriage to him. I don't know. It's funny, eh? We spend all that time, energy, resource on a day. But what does our marriage look like? On a wedding, on a ceremony. But what about the length of the marriage? Does it still look? Is it more vibrant than what it was the day you said, yes, I do? Do you look more vibrant? Are you more alive? Are you more in love? Are you more serving? Do you know your husband or your wife more because now you've been 15 years with them or 50? Well done. Well done, Jeanette. What does it look like? Because it's all a picture, isn't it? So I may not know Danielle any more than the did I married her 19 years ago. Or I may know her more. She may, know, know, may not know me, or she may know me more. And hopefully through that knowledge, my own life and our lives is changing and being transformed. And we would be better, more polished, more alive, more vibrant. Why? Because we've had an opportunity to fall more in love than the day we got married 19 years ago. I want to read you three scriptures, no, six scriptures, but actually before I do that, I want to show you a clip that Kirsten sent me a few months ago now, and I've just been sitting on it, and I think it really gives an amazing illustration of what God's trying to get through, because so often when you just speak words, Everyone goes, yeah, 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 yeah. But then when you see something that's describing what's being said, all of a sudden the impact is far greater. And so we can roll that clip. Guys, that would be great. Can everyone see it with my board and white? So they taught you how to fold the napkins? Yes. Oh, wow. I actually, believe it or not, I know how to fold the uh, Sydney Opera House. I don't believe you. No, no, I really do. I I, I can totally show you. Stop. I'm very excited. Good evening. Good evening. Have you um, dined, dined with us before? 
Yes, actually, this is our favorite restaurant. Welcome back. No, babe, I'm pretty sure we've never been here before. No, that's weird. Really? Yeah, no, no, we haven't. Hmm. Oh, hold that button just one second. I'm really sorry. Oh, no problem. So what would you like to order this Uh, Ah, Yes, sir. So you know what? I think I would like to have that salmon. That that sounds absolutely wonderful. That's one of my favorites. Oh, great. And for you, ma'am? Oh, um, I will have the filet mignon and the New York strip and the eight-ounce sirloin, all medium rare, please. Yes, fantastic. That is a great choice. (laughs) Thank you. I will get those right out to you. Babe, that's that's kind of a lot of food, isn't it? I'm not just ordering for one, you know. Wait, are you? Are you telling me that we're... Are we expecting? Yeah, he'll be here soon. It's a boy? Oh my... Yeah, of Oh my gosh, course. babe, okay, this has got to be... There he is the... now. Wait, Hi. What? Oh, bonjour. <laughs> Sorry I'm late. <laughs> I ordered for you. Oh, thank you. You know me so well. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry, do you, do, you, do you two know each other? Do you yeah, guys... he is my boyfriend from high school. Your, your boyfriend from... From high school. Babe, can I ask you what your old boyfriend's doing? <laughs> Did I come at a bad time? No! Yeah. I really don't see the problem here, Justin. Yeah, I really don't see the problem here. Okay, who are you? Honey, stop. You're embarrassing me. I just wanted us to have one nice night at our favorite restaurant. Okay, first of all... I've never been to this restaurant. And, and second, what is going on? Hey, babe, sorry I'm late. Did I miss anything? Okay, seriously? Hey, you... Uh, you, you take your hand off her and you... What is going on? Just sit down. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Angela, is this... Is this some kind of joke? Are you... Are you actually seeing these guys? Justin, I've known these guys longer than I've known you. Wait, what? Are you seriously jealous right now? Jealous? Angela, in case you forgot, we're married. Okay, and we spend the majority of our time together. I'm, I love you more than any of my other boyfriends. That's why you'll always be my favorite. Your, your favorite is... Is there anyone else I need to know about? Babe, is there a problem over here? Okay, really? The waiter? No, Dennis, we're fine. All right, seriously, no. Good, food will be right now. Okay, Angela, Angela, all right. These guys need to go. We need to talk. We're done. I cannot believe this. You are being so selfish. Selfish? Why do you always have to make everything about you? You ruined our favorite restaurant. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've, I've still never been to this restaurant. Yeah. Just, uh, mm. Thank you, thank you, Dennis. The salmon is delightful. So, did you propose to her here too? Now, it's funny, but how true is it? 
Not in the physical, but in the spiritual. And so often we don't even want to maybe relate to that or talk about that or even look at some of these things because we just want to blow them over. You're just so selfish, man. You're just so harsh. Love him with all I am. Come on, man. Don't you know my life? Don't you know I've got things in my life? Don't you know I've got other priorities and passions? And it's so easy to just justify all that away, isn't it? Because God loves me. And so it doesn't matter whether I love him with all because God loves me and I'll just continue. But that's not what the Bible actually says. And what I want to do is I want to read you six passages which really all relate to one and they're going to come up behind me and then we're going to come back and in the manuals I want us to go through the parable of the ten virgins and we're going to take that line by line unpack line by line and bring it to light because we must be aware of everything that is contained in God for us so we must be aware of what the big picture is because everything God is saying is aligning itself to who we are and our purpose And then we have a choice to make as to whether we just want to allow that to just go to the side and continue on in normal, or to be apprehended and arrested by a reality that God is saying for us because God has a very definite plan for us as his people, and it's not about coming to a building and going through services and ticking boxes and then going home and life stays the same It's about being transformed and changed by love that that would not be your reality in a spiritual context. Correct? That is not who we want to be spiritually. If that is who we are spiritually, how many people know that you need to repent this morning and turn and move in an opposite direction to that because that's not the church that loves the Father and loves people That's the church that's in love with itself. Correct? Cool. That went down okay. All right. Let me read you these scriptures. Follow with me as they come up. Matthew 25, 1 to 13. I am going to move through these reasonably quickly, so I would encourage you to make note of all the scriptures and then go back after the service and actually start eating and drinking because there is a very clear picture being painted Even though it is invisible to the natural eye, it's clearly visible to the spiritual eye. So like Sam said last week, what is concealed is not hidden from you, that it would stay from you. It's concealed even though it's right in front of you, but it requires the Holy Spirit to open it up so you can actually see what's right in front of you and then enter into the reality that God says is possible, yes? Because he truly is, guys, he is truly Truly looking for a people that truly love him in demonstration, not in words. I think he's over that, to be honest. I think he's over people that give him lip service and remove their heart. He loves people, but he's a little bit over that. And if you haven't cottoned on, things are kicking off in the world. Okay, Things are really kicking off in the world. And if we are asleep, then you won't be ready. And the heat is getting turned up. I can't waken you up if you're asleep. No one can waken you up but the Holy Spirit through the preaching and the declaration of the Word of God, which has the potential to really annoy us, 
or the potential to make us come alive, depending on our own hearts and how we hear it and our true state. And it is God's heart that no one would perish and that no one would be asleep when we're supposed to be awake. It's that serious. And I want to make it that serious so you know how serious I am in this whole position. It's time. It was time 2,000 years ago, guys. It's time, okay? That's why I keep going on. You might say, why are we going on about the bride again? And again, that's a really good question to ask yourself. And maybe come and have a coffee with me if you really want to know the answer. Like, why does this guy, why does he, all he talk about is the bride? It's a very good question that you'd want to get the answer to. Matthew 25, 1 to 13, Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the prudent took oil and flask along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. 1 Corinthians 8, 2-3 If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to. But if anyone loves God... He is known by him. 1 John 2, 3 to 6. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. James 2.5, listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Ephesians 6.24, grace be with those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with the incorruptible love. John 21, 15 to 17. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Tend my sheep. 
Jesus said, Matthew 10, 37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Father, I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, open the ears of our hearts and minds to hear and see. The seriousness of everything that you are saying and the times that we are in. God, we need to be awakened to the reality of the demonic presence that is ramping up on this earth and our role in a spiritual battle that is not with flesh and blood, but is able to stand and stand firm while the principalities are at play. And Lord, you are raising up a people who will be ready and alert because we are looking at the right thing, not the wrong thing. We are looking into the unseen and seeing the finished reality that already is done in you and standing on the basis of that, not what's happening right in front of us and getting caught up in stuff and not getting ready for what really has already been established. For this is just an illusion. So let's go and have a look at these virgins. And we're going to just touch on some of these other passages as well. So help me, Holy Spirit. The parable of the ten virgins. What you first need to know is what a parable is. A parable is an illustration or a story that is making one central point. So there is one central point to the parable of the ten virgins. What is it? Being ready. Are you spiritually ready? Now we talked about what it is to be ready at the end of last year. Can you remember the day I said it, what I said, how I said it? Have you tracked it? So if you were to come up now and I was to say to you, talk. Because you know what it is to be ready. Could you? Because that's what it means to be ready, doesn't it? Be ready in and out of season to give life for why you believe what you believe. Like if God put you on the test and said, today is the day, Jay, you're going to declare my word into the earth about what it is to be ready. Can Jay do it? Because Jay is ready. And if we can't or he can't, then he's failing the test, correct? And the purpose of that failing of the test would to awaken you to realize you've just failed the very thing of the command of God God gave you to do because he's looking for a church that can speak. He's looking for a church that can demonstrate. He's looking for a people who are mature. He's looking for people that look like his son. Not people just covered by love, but have been crucified by love and have had love implanted in them so they can actually be a voice piece for heaven. That's what God is looking for today on the earth. A church that is mature, growing, growing up, being perfected in the substance called Jesus Christ love so they can actually get ready for what is coming 
and what has already been foretold, which is a wedding covenant. And so on that day when Jesus returns, when he says, will I find faith? He's going to find a people who actually are of faith because when he turns, it's chaos on the earth, correct? And the people who aren't ready are not going to be ready in faith. This is how serious this is. And I hope you can hear the seriousness coming out of me without thinking I'm a nut job. I'm very passionate about seeing and being a part of a church that knows who she is. I'm very passionate. I've laid my life down. I made that decision in 1997 to be part of a people who truly want him and truly want who they've been called to be, and truly want to live how they've been called to live in accordance to what he says, not what we think. So there's this parable which has a central theme point about being ready. So then you've got to ask, what am I ready for? Correct? And this is only part one of a two-part picture, because the next parable is the parable of the talents. And these two parables go hand in hand as one big parable. Who can tell me what the core theme of the parable of the talents are? Faithfulness. So you're ready and you're faithful to what? What he says and everything that we're supposed to be living out called the will of God, not the will of Greg. So we're going to look at that later on too because you have to look at these two parables together and then bring them together because what happens to the virgin that's not ready? Yell out, can't hear. She's shut out of what? The wedding feast. And what happens to the one who doesn't use the talents but buries them? Where does he find himself or she? In outer darkness, which is still connected to the same parable, which is not hell. Which means that person is missing out on something they were invited to, correct? So the virgin and the one without the talent is missing out on what they've been invited to be partaking of. Does that alarm you? I hope it would alarm you to the point that you would be stirred to go, is this me? Because the context of the virgins is who? The church. He is not talking to a lost world. It's not five lost people and five saved. It's ten justified by blood. Virgins, as if not being part of the world. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 11 too, I want to present you as pure virgins, one that have never been stained by the world. He was stained by the world, was he not? I've been stained by the world, but God wants to do a transformational work in my heart and my mind so I fall radically in love and I'm changed from the inside out. So when I stand before him, I'm going to be spotless and blameless. I will have loved him and I would have lived for him. It is the relational test and the missional test wrapped up as one test. And I am fearful that many are going to miss it. Fearful in the inside, hence the seriousness of my voice. I pray every day from a place of, Lord, 
I pray for the forming of Christ in the church. I am in labor continuously for you guys. I am in labor for my fellow brothers and sisters that I don't even know. I'm in labor for a lost world daily, praying that this labor would help and formulate people who are hearing and going, oh my goodness, I've been called for greatness. I've been called to live a life worthy of a calling of God. Starts at love. And I do not want to be that woman, an adulterous bride who was in love with everything but the one she was supposed to be loving with all. So she loves her but a little bit because you know what? I love this more. Is that not what the scripture says in Matthew 10, 37? He who loves father or mother more than me or anyone else is not worthy of me. What are you not worthy for? Sorry, you're not coming in. You were a foolish virgin. You're outside of something you were invited to called the marriage between Christ and his church, which the apostle Paul declared in Ephesians 5, 21 to 33. And said it's the greatest mystery in the kingdom of heaven. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven, which is not heaven. He's talking about the return of Christ back on earth for a thousand years, where there's going to be a seven-day celebration at the feast back here on earth after the judgment to see who qualifies for this very thing. Because the church has pressed in towards the upward call of Christ and laid hold of everything in the Son and lived in accordance to what they've laid hold of. Because they fall in love and so they live. Do you know the parable of the talent person, the reason why they bury their talent is because they're not in love with God. Someone who's in love with God the way God intends it had been love will not bury their talent. They will use their gifting to serve who? Him. So the byproduct of receiving love is to serve and lay your life down. Isn't that what Jesus says? You will know them by the way they love one another and the way they lay their life down. Well, you can't lay your life down unless you've fallen and received the impartation of love. Love is the thing that enables you to serve the way he intends, not the way you think he's asking. You see, it says you've got to lose your life, but you lose it for his sake, Matthew 10, 39, not your own sake, which means you're not defining how you serve. You're a bond servant who has no rights, and you say, Lord, I'm here to serve you with an open heart, wholeheartedly abandoned, however you want. So tell me how I'm supposed to serve. I don't come with agenda. I don't come with time restrictions. I don't say, well, you've got till this time because I'm busy after that. That's that woman. That's the foolish virgin. That's the foolish Christian who's defining what it's going to look like in God. But thank you. I'll take your blood that we just received. I'll take your bread and I'll just be justified. You don't want to be that church. I don't want to be that. I'm hoping you really, really don't. But there's a stirring up that is required in the hearts and the minds of the church if this is ever going to be our reality. And how does God do it? 
He preaches the word, the word, the eternal word. Not the thing that tickles ears, not the thing that you can understand in your head. The word of God, which sets you free, builds creation, and then says, live. That's how serious this all is. So the kingdom of heaven is comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. It's the relational test of your true inner heart position. This tests who you really love. And it's okay to be found out with other lovers. It's just not okay to want to stay there. If you stay there, he will still love you, but you will not receive the reward on offer. It's impossible, isn't it? God requires obedience, correct? Have you seen that in the book? Obedience is a massive thing, isn't it? Whether you feel like it or not, it's irrelevant on your feelings, thoughts. It's you obey or suffer the consequences of obey or disobey. Yeah? What does he say in the Old Testament? What happens if one disobeys? There's a curse. And if you obey, there's a blessing. So obedience is very important. It can't be based on, well, you know what? I'll wait till I feel like it. I'll wait till I get revelation. No, when he says do it, you do it. There is no prayer. There is no buts. There are no excuses. It's do it now. Hey, Peter. Yes, Lord. Throw the nets on the other side of the boat. But Lord, we've been out all night long doing what we know how to do. Good on you. Throw your net on that side of the boat and you'll get some fish. Okay, because you say I'll do it. Throw, bang, fish. Oh my goodness, I'm a wicked, sinful man. See the obedience? Straight away. Immediately they got out of the boat when he said, come follow me. It wasn't like, okay, well, let's do the cost-benefit analysis of uh, what this all means, how long we're going to be away for, dot, 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 dot. No, thanks. No, there's an instant, immediate call because something's going on in the spirit that goes, you know, I'm sick and tired of this life. I'm sick and tired of coming back to the well. I'm sick and tired of having the natural water that quenches the thirst for now, but not the living water. And yet the living water is directly in front of the woman going, if you knew who I was, you would ask. But you don't ask because you don't know. And so you live your life in blindness and deafness and I'm right in front of you. Yeah, take a breath. We probably all need a breath, eh? So the context is the church. It's us. Five of them were foolish, five were prudent. The word foolish is thoughtless, silly, careless. Thoughtless. Well, I think, well, I think, well, I think, well, I think. What does he say? And does what he says match your thinking? Or have you got your version of what you think he says because you're trying to understand him through you? Which once again will always take you to the wrong place because you're partaking of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil when you do that. And although that knowledge might be good, it is not life and you need life to be able to love. Because he is life, is he not? 
It says, in Christ is life, and that life is the light of the world, which is in man. So if I'm partaking of the wrong tree and it's good, it's not life, I can't live. So we have to stop that. And so it says, thoughtlessness, silly, you're careless with what you've been entrusted, the riches of heaven. Careless in the fact that you don't even know and haven't taken the time to discover who you really are. Seated in heavenly places where Christ is. Raised up to be the demonstration and the wisdom of God on the earth that the church would manifold and represent and release the manifold wisdom of God. Ambassadors of heaven. Like really? Yes. Like, do you know that I've called you to be saints and to have this kingdom built into you? You're called to be priests who have gone into and behind the veil and live from behind the veil, not priests who minister in front of the veil, doing all this, but not knowing life here. Like, it's a whole different priesthood of a completely different order called Melchizedek, and it has no bloodline. You're not Alan and Lillian Simnor's son. Come on, Greg. I called you before the foundations of the earth, before you were in sin. I saw you. I called you. I have brought you into life in 97 because you were predestined for purpose, son. Get a bit of life in your son. Wake up. Come on. Stop whinging and moaning about your life. I've called you. I chose you. Don't worry about that. Move past that and receive me. I've called you to be a bride. I've called to marry you. I want you to live for me while you're here. You've only got about 90 years at best. What is it going to look like? What's your life going to say? What legacy are you going to leave? When I stand before me, what are you going to say? Nothing because your mouth will be closed and I will give you the verdict. And what will I say about your life, Greg? Simnor lived for himself. Is that what it's going to be? Or well done? Well done, my good and faithful servant who didn't bury the gift, who loved me and lived for me, with me, to see my kingdom established with this other people called the church. Not an institution, the church. There's a massive difference between justified and kingdom. There is a massive difference for just receiving his blood that you don't go to hell and losing your life and being a disciple. Like they're not even recognizable between the disciple and a justified believer. They're not of the same kind, even though they need the same father. They live completely opposite because they don't live for themselves. This is what it is to be a disciple. I want to be so like the master, but I can't if I'm holding on to me. Like, she will never be a disciple of Jesus Christ, will she? And neither will all the other men around her. Her husband may have been, but not her and her other lovers. And so you see Jesus sharing this parable, which has the story about being ready. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. Living in the moment, always about the moment, never about the future. No, no, it's just now, man. Yeah, what about now and the future? Oh, oh, I don't even understand the future. Well, you need to understand it. Like you need eyes to see because it's finished and it's going to determine you now. I ain't got time. Well, you need to find time. Like you need to make time. Because these five aren't ready. They don't have. They've just got enough for the day. 
What happens when something turns up in your life and what you have is not enough? What happens when the offence is greater than what you have? What happens when the pressure is greater than the Christ in you and you don't have because you're not a forward-thinking follower? You're not a forward-seeing follower. You're a now follower, just living in the now. That's not where he wants us to be. He wants us in the future, receiving the future now and the now now. But the future determines my now and how I'm going to live now. That was Abraham's reality, wasn't it? What did he see in the future? Her, the glorious city which enabled him to live a life which most people would be so outside of today, it wouldn't be funny. A life of faith, which is seeing in the future, receiving, living in accordance to it. So when stuff on earth turns to custard like it is, and you're not associated with that, you're fine. And you can be the light of the world, the hope of the world, and live from rest and stand firmer as this. Why? Because greater is in you because of what you're looking at in Christ. And you have it. So it's not just seeing it, it's receiving it in you. So the substance, Christ, lives in me. And that's the hope of glory into the earth. So the hope that Jesus have of getting his glory into the earth is the church having Jesus Christ formed on the inside. And then we release the glory of God into the earth. We're glory carriers. We're ministers of glory. We're to release the glory of God, the Shekinah glory, because it's in the church. No, I'm just a little justified follower. Well, you may have started there, but come on, it's time to grow up. It's time to throw off all the clothes and the stinking thinking and the selfishness and let's go to school and learn I know this is a disciplining side of love long suffering is most of the time this is a disciplining word so these virgins they weren't ready now while the bridegroom was delaying How good is he? Like most of the time we just think that's about lost people, don't we? Mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. That's mankind. Because if you're asleep today of this reality, he's delaying. Why is he delayed? What's he doing? Giving you opportunity, giving you time. To what? Throw off the old with all the old wineskin and the old wine that's good enough. You know, 20 years ago, we did it this way. Good, great, it was awesome, it's a new day. Oh, but you know, 25 years ago, it was all, yeah, cool, we're not 25 years ago, we're now 25 years forward, and Daniel says in the last days, God's going to reveal more and more and more and more. So are we continually, what did I just read out? If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he's known by God. God knows those who love him. God knows the ones that are going after all things in him, not the ones resting on 30 years of revelation 100 years ago. Or Smith Wigglesworth's revelation or someone else's revelation, but we don't have our own. And yet we're all called to be saints. Not all Smith Wigglesworth, but we're all called to be disciples who have revelation upon revelation, who are invited to a marriage covenant, and we do not want to be the foolish ones, correct? Well, then that's not just going to turn up on your door like the coffee did this morning. You've got to go work out your salvation with the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth. 
He is the embodiment of truth. It's not scriptures, it's a person who through the scriptures can bring to light, but the scriptures point to the person who is the one who will make you free and build this life in you that I'm talking about. And so we see that while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, give some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Give me some of yours. Sorry, I can't. You know how I would love to give you what's coming out of me right now? I would love to give you the revelation that I carry. I would love to. Trust me, I would love to. Because I know it would change and this church would radically be on fire. But I can't. I can't give you the Holy Spirit. I can't give you what he's shown me, what he's implanted. I can't, but I can speak of it. I can't. I want to. At times I've crossed over between him playing his role. And he says, Greg, get back. You've actually walked ahead of me, son. Get back in an alignment. It's a covenant of marriage. And I'm the groom and you're the bride. I'm the head, not you. It's me first, you second, but you're aligned perfectly shoulder to shoulder. Because that's what a marriage is, isn't it? It's not the male here and the woman back there. And the male like thinking he's all, you know, like King Kong. (laughs) And it ain't the woman up forward who, because her husband hasn't led, is now the leader of the home who won't let go of leadership. No, it's not that. That's just as sick as the male. It's a male and a female connected to the Christ in oneness, aligned together, but there is a function and order that they both understand and both submit and surrender to. That's what this looks like. It's very rare to find it, but that's the true declaration of what marriage is in the church. It's just very rare. Why, Greg? Because we don't really know the one who we're actually supposed to be surrendered to. We only know about him, so we define what this all looks like, and we receive the consequences of that. Because both must be dead for that to work. And so you've got this, give us the oil. Oh my goodness, he's returned. Give it. Sorry. You should have got it when you had time. You know what you were doing with your time? Yeah. Abusing it with what you wanted to do. It's too late. See, so you could go, oh, if they were loving Christians, they would have given it. They can't. It's too late. So part of giving it is running the risk of having people think, one, you're a nutter, two, walking away from you, three, speaking badly about you, four, maybe physically hurting you, That's what it looks like to give it away. And going, that's okay because you know something. And that knowing of something, and because you're not looking for the favor of man, trumps what the people think. And it is such a powerful and beautiful position to live from when you don't need anybody's affirmation of you because you've received it from above. And you truly can do it his way to the best that you know him, knowing that you are still learning and growing, but not 
entrusting your heart to man, but entrusting it to the Father, trusting in man, but not entrusting it to man so man can't hurt it, break it, do anything with it, because man doesn't have it. Do you know that's the safest place in his arms? Danielle does not have my heart. She's never had it. My children do not have my heart. They've never had it. Because in 1997, I relinquished it to him. He has it. And that enables something. And there's no reason why anyone needs to have your heart. And if anyone has your heart, get it back. How do you do that? You start crying out in repentance because you can't. Like if you've given your heart to a person, that is the scariest thing you can ever do because you're giving it to a human and inside that human is a nature that Jesus wouldn't give his heart to people that he knew what was in the heart of man. It's not the place to build your life on. So we see these virgins... Then all those virgins rose and trimmed, give us this oil. But the prudent answered, no, there will not be enough for us. And you too go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. Now, isn't that the words of Revelation 3, 18? The church of Laodicea. Laodicea means people. Laodicea means opinions. That was the church of the people's opinions. The people's opinion was they were fine. They didn't need anything, Correct. Jesus' report says you guys are pretty much stuffed, you're screwed, you don't have any spiritual life in you, and man's opinion, who thought because they were foolish, went, we're okay, we don't need anything. It was the church of the people's opinions, it's the last day church, the church of Laodicea. Everyone has an opinion, everyone has a thought, there's just not too many people living the life. This is the modern day church, the church of Laodicea. Jesus gives a report and says, you need to turn and repent. You need to come and buy gold refined in a... What does that mean? Burning away the dross. I'll change the word Danny used. (laughs) Same thing. God will put you in a fire. Why? Because you're a dried up, burnt up branch. I'm going to put you in a fire. What happens? Gee, it's a bit hot in here. Yeah, stay in the fire. Because I want to raise you up. I want the fire in you. So come to me and buy from me. Work out your salvation with me and me alone, the spirit of truth, because I want to sanctify you in what? Spirit and faith in the truth, the word to you come alive because you're not supposed to be burning up. I want you to have the fire in you because I've come to baptize my church in fire because there's one who I can't do that. I baptize in water, but there's a guy coming who's baptizing in fire and you won't burn up, but you'll burn for me. Well, if that's not our reality, then they're telling us here we've got to go get some fire because they didn't have fire. And it was a big part of why they weren't coming in. Are you connecting the dots? You'll never get this in you through mental agreement with scriptures. That is pretty much demonic. 
thinking you can bring yourself into life through intellectualism is demonic wisdom. Kingdom of darkness wisdom doesn't mean he doesn't love you, but that ain't the way to life. Jesus said it's where. I am the way. Like I stand before you and I offer you living water. I am the way, but you don't ask because you don't know I'm the way. You think you've already got me. Then live. Live. If you've got me, live. If you've got me, love. If you've got all you need and you think you've got it all together, church, then come on, it's time. Like I'm waiting. You see, we haven't. But we're so afraid that we like to make up stories to justify where we're really at so we can continue to live. And we're actually afraid of what the future holds. We're afraid of what it could be. But he says, perfect love casts out all fear. So come to me and learn from me because I've got bread that you are working for that you know nothing about. You see, you're working for food that perishes all day long. I've got food that lasts for eternal life. It's in me. I'm sent. I am the chosen one. And God has sent me with a sent word which builds a sent life. And you need it because you cannot live on bread alone. You need every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God because the word of God is not a book. The word of God is a spoken word that man wrote down. And the problem is we're back to front because we're trying to look through life in scriptures. He says it's in the spirit. No, we don't need you. We just need the scriptures. No, throw that away. Go get a brand new way of thinking. You need the spirit. And then he will bring to light the person. Because all the scriptures are doing are declaring Jesus Christ. That's what they're doing. And if you're in the person, revelation of the person, revelation of the person, guess what? You will not be, not be a foolish virgin. You'll be prudent. And you will enter into everything he has for you. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. And the door was shut. It's too late, isn't it? We like to think we've got all this time in the world, don't we? Tomorrow. We even do it in the physical, don't we? Tomorrow I'll paint the fence. Six months, I'll paint the deck. Tomorrow. What if tomorrow never comes? Then it's too late. There's no promotion after the grave. You've missed it. And you can miss it. The problem is, guys, that we've been raised with a gospel that says this. Pray a prayer, you're saved, bingo. Now go do some works. And go get everyone else. And so a lot of these scriptures that are here, which are kingdom of heaven scriptures, the kingdom, not the John's message, we've got no clue about. Yet, this is the living word of God, correct? Are these holy scriptures? Did God write the book through man? So if it's in here, there's a reason why it's in here, correct? Which means we would want to know it, wouldn't we? And if we don't, then that's saying something about our heart, which he's still covering and loving. 
But something needs to happen. Otherwise, this is going to be a big portion of the church's reality. Because the Bible says many are called, only few are chosen. Like this isn't a 50-50 split. Like when you take the entirety of the scriptures, it ain't a 50-50. It's like a 595. You read of that? So you've got to say, do I want to be part of the 5%? I'm talking receive the whole reward. I'm not talking about justification for your state of receiving him. You will be with him in the future. I'm talking about you receiving everything that he says you can know and have. It's 5% of people that will actually do something about what I'm saying today. Like This is not a new message, is it? How long have I been speaking like this? It's 2010, April 12. I even know. See, because I'm tracking it. Like I'm tracking my own and I'm tracking all yours. <laughs> oh, oh, how do you know that? Because I have discernment. And I can sense the spiritual atmosphere and I know what it looks like too. See, I know what it looks like to go after God. And so you hear it coming out of people. And it's all good. Like it's not bad, but there's an awareness and you're going, oh my goodness, how, how as an eldership, how as an individual who has a gift, try to say the way I need to say it so people are actually aware of actually where they are really at, not where they think they are, and get freed out of this apathetic state where we think we're all good. So we just go through the motions, but actually no one can actually write the picture yet. Like there's an expectation that we could actually all write the picture because the picture's being declared for 11 years now. That's serious, isn't it? Like how many of you would actually have a job if you never turned up and did the job for 11 years? <laughs> but see, God is what? What he says. He's delaying. He's delaying. He's waiting, hoping, believing, bearing, enduring, not holding a wrong against us because we say one thing. He's going, oh my goodness, is today the day that one of them is going to get it? Is today the day that one of them who's got it is going to go to a greater dimension? Is the day today that they realize they do not know as they ought to know? And oh my goodness, they're waking up and going, I've got to eat, I've got to drink, I've got to do more than what I've always done. Like this is limitless. This isn't the thing that you arrive and go, oh, I found the right place now. It's always advancing. Violent people lay it by force. Like it's going forward all the time. It never stops, yeah? Like you don't arrive. So the more you eat, the Bible says what? The more you want. It says take from the one who's doing nothing and give it to the one that is. Sorry, didn't mean that personally. That's what it works. Well, that's not fear. Who cares what fear is? That's what it says. See, it's a growing, advancing, never ending. Greg, you don't know what you think you know. Come on, son, there's more to know. Well, then I'm thirsty and hungry for what I have no idea about. How can you be hungry and thirsty for what you don't know exists because you've been awakened to the fact that there's more, you just don't know it. But you want it because you've been chosen and called to live a life that would what? 
glorify Him. That's the whole reason for my life, guys, is to glorify the Father. I was dead in my sin and iniquity. I was lost going to hell like you. But one day the Holy Spirit came in and woke me up and said, Son, I love you and I've called you and you're not dead in me. I want you. And I was awakened out of death to life. And I know this is all an illusion. This world is an illusion. It's all a great trap. And the enemy has the church bound up in it big time. And God is the only one that can release us from it. And even what I've just said, most people don't have an understanding of what I just said about the demonic. So they're looking all the wrong way as well because I'm the one with authority, not him. I just stand firm and resist. I don't fight with him. Jesus never fought with him. He stood there and just spoke his father's word from complete rest. So there's all these fake counterfeit positions that the church buy into because they don't know who they are. And I don't have time to go into that. (sighs) Thanks, Nick. Later, the other virgins also came. Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Does God know every hair on your head? Does God or did God choose us before the foundations of the earth? So he's not saying, I don't know you. What's he saying? And if you don't know me, then what? You don't love me. He's saying, I know you don't love me. That's why you're not coming in. He's not saying, Greg, I don't know you. Of course I know you. I know all things. I'm God. I know the beginning from the end and everything in between. I know you didn't love me the way I commanded you loved you. So although I covered you with my love, I'm sorry, this is for those that love me with all their heart because I know all things. Okay, 1 Corinthians 8, 2 to 3. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. God knows those that love him the way he's instructed. That's what he's saying. That's why they didn't come in. That's why they're not ready. They're scrambling. Okay, let's go to 1 John 2, 3, 6. By this we know that we have come to know Him. There's a requirement. God gives us everything we need. How do we know that we've come to know Him and love Him? What does it say? What are His commandments? Okay, one and the same thing, correct? Do you know why knowing Him is the key to everything? If you know Him then you're going to keep loving him, loving others, and living for him, correct? If you don't know him, what's going to happen? What are you? Come on, let's say it. It's right in front of you. What are you? If you say you keep the commandments but don't know him, you're a Right. Can we own that one? God loves liars. He doesn't want you to stay as a liar, but he loves you if you are lying. You are lying to you. See, you're in a form of bondage to you because you think something that's not real. 
You think you love God, but then keep the commandments. Oh my goodness, God, I can't keep the commandments. (sighs) Oh, well done, Greg, you figured that out. Now where are we going? Ah, it's called repentance. I need to turn, get on my knees and cry out. I can't keep the thing you asked me to keep. So I can't love you. And that either motivates you into God or away from God. Because here's the thing, man doesn't have an appetite for what he can't do. And man has to get one. Well, I can't. Well, what can you do? Well, I can do works. It's about a commandment first, not function, Greg. You got me there too. Yes. And so he keeps bringing you back to the same position, doesn't he? Like, we want to go round the mountain, and we go round the mountain. He goes, oh, I'll go see you later, see you in three years. Oh, you're back here again, Simnor. <laughs> Are you ready? No, I'm going to go round the mountain again. Okay, see you in another three years. Like, how many mound the mountains experiences do we need before we fall onto the knees and cry out? Apparently, a lot. So he brings you back to a reality and he tells you in his living scriptures, which the Holy Spirit is the one who wrote the book. But somehow we read it and go, don't know what that is because it's concealed. And so I just go past something that's a warning, like, bleep, 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 and you're like, what's that? Oh, okay, I, don't know. I did it. I'm preaching to myself. I did it for years. I didn't know half the stuff until he said, go back. Like you hear go back and God says, go back, Greg. Don't flip the page. You go back. (sighs) Why? Because I want to show you. Like I, God, want to show you, Greg, human. I want to reveal it in you so you can live because I've been predestined you to live. Well, God, I'm not interested because I love my wife and my kids and my football, my school and blah, blah, blah. He goes, okay. Okay, if you're not interested, cool. Is anyone else? Then he comes back, doesn't he? He goes, you're interested yet? No, okay, let's go. Why? Because he's forever patient waiting. So he's telling us clearly, what does this mean? Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. Father, I have made your name known. Know him, the name, know him, in, in him. Life is in him, in the name. I have made your name known. I will make it known. Why? So the love with which you loved me. He's talking to his father. The love with which father you love me may be in her. Through what? The knowing of God. I have made your name known. I'm speaking. I am making it known. I can't give revelation. Jesus could not give revelation while he was on earth as man and God. Have you tracked that one? Who was it that revealed Peter, the Messiah? The Father. Jesus was like us. He couldn't give it. Like what I said before. I want to give it. I want to give it to Mike. I can't. Because that's his role. And Jesus was also under that same kingdom pattern. He opened their minds when he came back after he'd been resurrected. But before that, he was limited. And so are you and I. So we have to what? Seek. 
leave, turn and go after if we want all. I do not know you. I know that you're not loving me. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Peter, do you love me? Like is Peter deaf? Peter, are you going to ask me the third time? Yes, I am. Why? Great question. Do you want to know why I'm asking the third time, Peter? Maybe I'm hearing a response that isn't connected to the question I'm asking you. Maybe I've got a discernment and I know what you're saying isn't actually what I'm wanting to hear and look for. Maybe you're responding from a brotherly love, which is human, and not an agape position, which is eternal. And so maybe I'm discerning the true heart of the man, and he's doing what he knows, and his intention is what he knows, but I still know he doesn't yet know. So I cover and love him while I bring him into the reality of what he's saying, because he's not yet able to live it, even though he thinks he is. And I look past him getting a little bit worked up because if I know if I stop, he's never going to enter into what I'm saying because he thinks he's already got it. And that's love, isn't it? But how long can you hang around for? How long would you hang around for with a work colleague that wasn't getting it? How long do you hang around for your children for and they can't get it? How quickly do you get frustrated with them because they're not getting it? How quickly do you give up? That's not the way of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't get hurt. It's able to love and believe all things and continue to speak. And yes, at times, it's disciplining. It's more going to be long-suffering. But at times, there's a disciplining, but it still stays. And it believes and it hopes and it endures in the event that there would be transformation. It's the greatest relational test he asks you. Do you actually love me the way I have instructed? The genuine yes to that would be you've been crushed. Your will has been broken upon the rock. You've been filled with love. And you're able now to the measure you're in love to be able to love him and others and keep that commandment. And you'll know, because when you're tested, what comes out of you is the evidence of whether you're in the abiding life. Now, if that's not your experience today, that's okay. But God's saying, I want to do this work in you. I want to do that so you're able to live out what I've called you for. But it does require a complete loss of life. You can't bring you with you. And that's why the stipulation is those that have lost their life for his sake find life.
Too many Christians are giving their life, not losing it, and giving it for a cause not to be in Christ. And so you give your life for the cause, and it's all about achieving a cause, isn't it? And what's the cause? Let's reach the world. Is that in God? Yes. Will you die and burn out trying to do that without love of God in you? Yes. Can you live that out for a period of time forever? No. And who knows that? God. Hence, there are these two tests, the love, relational, and the missional. And there is an order to them, isn't there? The great commandment is not go into the world and make disciples, is it? Why not? Because God knows something. The great commandment is to love God and love people. Now, you go, Greg, does that mean I have to wait around? No, because you're being obedient to what he says, but you're aware of something that you need in him. So you know you never walk off. You're walking together. Because he's the source of life that you know that hasn't happened yet. And God might say, go and do that event in the park on March 6th. We're going to go do it because God has said. But that doesn't mean everyone's in love. So while we're going there, how about we turn around and start asking God to do a work in our hearts and relinquish the heart? Because God is about heart circumcision. The whole thing are matters of the heart. But what we find it easy to do is just do works because it's comfortable. And if we get exposed, then we might not have an any idea who we are. Now, the institutional model doesn't care about that because all the institutional church model is interested in is you doing works for it because that's more about its own ego, its own pride, and looking good. But Jesus goes, I care about it. You see, when God showed me the institutional model 10 years ago, he gave me a warning. I saw myself falling out of the institutional model. I said, Lord, was that in me? He says it wasn't in you, but you were helped building it and you didn't even know. But your heart was pure, your heart was right, you thought it was my way. And then he had to take me on a journey to show me how he builds the church, which freed me from me. And then God's been trying to free us from us. And that's quite daunting. But he said this, don't you dare self-righteously judge her. I love her, but I do not love the operating system in her. And each and every one of us has to grapple with that reality because we all have flesh and we all have spirit. And if you live from the spirit, you're really operating from the institutional model. We have to live from the spirit. And you'll know because you'll be able to live the life of the Spirit. Your life will align itself to what he says. Go to John 15 and ask yourself if you have any idea what it is to abide in Christ. How will I know? Well, you'll have the fruit that it talks about. Like God is not hiding. He's telling you. Like it's not like one and one and I don't know where two is. It's like one and one and two is right here. So it's covered, but it's all here. How long has this parable been available to the church for that I just read out? How many of you know about it? How long has the book of Revelation been in the back of the book? How many of us have any clue about what the book's about? 
Is that not an asleep church? And I said last time, you can be awake to what you know and asleep to what you don't know. So I was asleep to what I didn't know in 2008 when God came knocking. I'm asleep to what I've just preached. I'm not outside of this. I'm in this with you. I may have journeyed a bit more than you because God used me to start something as a pioneer, which have been words that have constantly been spoken over the last 10, 11 years. And the gift of my life is used to make a way and to pioneer a new way. Has not God spoken in a prophetic booklet? Are you aware what's even in the booklet of what God is expecting from us and for us? To not be once again would be to asleep to what God is saying, correct? Now, there is no condemnation in Christ, correct? There is no, oh, I'm now a loser, but there is conviction to go, oh my goodness, God has been speaking here. Mm-hmm. Does God have a very clear purpose for the rock? Mm-hmm. How many times has he spoken about battleships and cruise ships? From three different people, not even part of the rock, three times over what? 10 years. What does that even mean? I don't know. Do you want to know? Go seek him and he'll show you because you have a part in it. Because this is not to be a place where spectators turn up, is it? That's the institution, guys. Now, the institution builds that. I'm the professional. You're the spectator. I do the ministry. You all watch. I'm running a line now, aren't I? Come on, you all know it. You've all been part of it. God wants to free us from it. That sucker's got to come down. He said, I'm doing it here. It's coming down here. It's been coming down here for 10 years. Whether it's coming down here and here and you, or whether you've realized and want to enter in the journey, it feels like all hell's breaking loose in your life. Yeah, it needs to. If the flesh is in it. Why, Greg? Because God has a predestined plan for the church to live a predestined life where we would demonstrate the wisdom of God on the earth. And that is not human. Did not Paul come and say, guys, I can't speak to you as the spiritual men because you're still arguing over who's who and who's what and who wants this position, who's after that and pastor this and pastor that. He goes, come on, there's so much division here. You're immature. Can I not speak to you as mature men? Oh my goodness, Hebrews 5.11, are your hearts still dull that you cannot hear what I'm saying? It's all here and it is alive today as it was when he wrote the book. But God is going, I'm going to raise up a people that can hear and see. I'm going to raise up a people from the earth who are not earthy or earthly, but are eternal and are of my son. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was at hand 2,000 years ago. She says, woman, the time is coming. She says, there's a time coming. He says, the time is now. He says, woman, you worship what you don't even know. So he stands in front of her going, well, I'm here. Do you want to know? But I'm eternal. I'm not earthly. And I've got to get in you. And I've got to build my life within you. So then you can live as you've been called to live. And so when you turn up, you don't hear, I know you didn't love me, even though you either said it or you even lived the life where you thought it. That is the hoodwink, and we'll look at that next week because the talents one is where it gets very, very narrow. 
You see, you can think you can run around the world laying hands on the sick people, casting out demons, prophesying, moving mountains. And what does 1 Corinthians 13 say? You don't have love. Guys, there are people who are falling, aren't there? Who have had incredible ministries. And that saddens me. Great men, mainly it's men. And it's coming out now. And I, I have stuff. I wrestle with stuff. But I place myself in environments that it can come out. Because I know I'm going to be loved and not judged. See, this whole thing that man has built keeps it sick. Because men who have a calling and a gifting and women who are just human but have issues, but they're so scared to share with anybody because the institution rips them apart as soon as they have a weakness because of a false reality because we want a king and you better live as a king. You don't need a king. You've got a king. We just don't know the king. So we put men up there and then we tear them down when they fall. But they have something of God and it's true and it works, but they're human like us and vice versa. There are kings who want that sort of stuff and so they build institutions because they want to be known as king. He's smashing it, man. And that's when I say, when I say, he's sick and tired of it, he's sick and tired of the institution. He's not sick and tired of his people He's sick and tired of the operating system that his people are caught up in that we pump, promote, sell, and keep going. But you ask me, where is the love? Where is it? Come on, where is it? And God's saying, I want to do it here. I want to raise the people up known for love. I mean my love, which means there's a whole lot of death got to happen. You can't just get in there. You've got to go, if you go, yeah, amen, okay, there's a death that's about to happen. There's a crucifixion about to happen. So know what you say yes to. And then, because there's got to be this tangible reality of a demonstration of love. You'll know them by the way they lay their lives down. That does not mean just getting here early and putting out communion. That does not mean giving money. That does not mean being part of this. This does not mean preaching this. This means when there is no ministry, you're love. Like, if we couldn't meet on a Sunday, what and who would we be? That's the test. When no one's looking, when there's no functional work to do, are you still loving God and people? That's the test. That's like what he's looking for. Going, oh, they only do it on Sunday. And even that, they just do out of fear or insecurity. Oh, yeah, there's some that do. Okay, that's cool. But now let's, like if we couldn't gather on Sunday. Let's sell the building. Who's going to be freaking out now? Or who can actually be firm and go, that's fine because I'm not associated to a building and a place. I'm part of a family and a people. So just like if Danny and I sold our physical home, the kids wouldn't go, oh no, we don't have a home because we're family. 
We're not part of function, we're part of family. <clears throat> Could we work that out together? These are the sort of things you have to ask yourself because if God said do it and we do it, we're doing it. Which is then going to test all the hearts as to whether we're really family or just caught up in function, institutional realities, isn't it? So I grapple with this all the time. So I'm just sharing my heart with you because we're family members. These are some of the thoughts I have day and night. Lord, what are you saying? Because I know you're bringing this system down and you're raising that up. And how do we get raised up? Well, one, don't go online when coronavirus hits. I'm not saying anyone that went online is wrong. I'm saying he told us not to go online. Why aren't you online, Greg? Because he's told us not to go online. Well, we should go online. Why? Because everybody else is. But he's told us not to go online. You need to give us this. You need, why? Because even no, no, you go seek the Holy Spirit as your teacher and start growing up. It's time to get off milk because that's what he's saying. See, I'm bold enough to say this in front of you because I love him and I love you. And I'm not building an institutional model. So God is clearly speaking to us, guys. Like he is clearly speaking today through that. And there is like alert. Isn't that what it says? Be on the alert. I said to Rodney this morning, I said, if you knew your house was going to get robbed tonight, where would you be? At the pub? No. Going around to a mate's place? No. Watching football with me? No, where would you be, Rodney? I'd be at home protecting my house. So this is directly the context to what you're launching into in Matthew 25 and Matthew 24, where he talks about being ready because there's one coming to rob and steal. And if you're that, you would be at home waiting for the robber. You wouldn't be off doing other things because no one knows the time and the hour someone's returning but the father, correct? And the more you understand the biblical model through the Jewish lens, then you realize the entire thing of what we're living in right now. Rather than a Western version of a marriage, which is back to front from a Jewish reality. Because at a Western reality, who's waiting? The groom. But in a Jewish reality, who's waiting? And what's she waiting for? But no one knows the day or the hour that he's coming. But we can know the signs and the times we live in. And there is a call that goes out. You see, the only one who knows is the Father. Be on the alert. Be ready because you don't know, so be on the alert. Be ready because you don't know. Be ready and be on the alert. So when the call goes, you're not found out. You're not found out Where's my bridal gown? Where's my this? Where's my that? Where's my makeup? Where's my this? Oh my goodness, it's chaos. Sorry, too late. You were to be dressed, ready, in your sound mind, with a sound heart and a sound purpose. Let's go. Cool? Father, I want to thank you for today, and I want to thank you for what you're saying. If I've spoken out of turn in anything, Lord, ask forgive me. But Lord, I know the seriousness of this. 
I know the seriousness of the times we're in. I know the seriousness of the reality that you're calling the church to be. And she is glorious, radiant, spotless. She has predestined to be formed in your image in accordance to the Son. It's the purpose of heaven for your church, Father, to be one with you. Holy Spirit, thank you and give us ears to hear, reveal everything concealed in relation to what's been said and what will be said and continue to go forth. And may you fill us with just absolute joy, the Son. In Jesus' name, amen.